Before we get to this week's episode, I want to take a second and highlight what we've been working on over at Schaefer's. You've no doubt heard of the popular sell in May and go away trend. Well, as contrarians, we recently identified five stocks that are poised to buck that trend and enjoy strong growth this summer. It's only available for a limited time, so head over to the link in this episode's bio to get the free report. Can confirm, folks, I did say free. Check it out. Without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Schaefer's Market Mashup. I'm back from vacation, refreshed as ever, stoked for this week's episode. Please welcome back Jamal Chandler, now an on-air talent at tastytrade.com and a Lego enthusiast, as I had just found out. Uh, Jamal, what's happening? Man, uh, you know, building Legos every now and again, but uh, in between that, I mean, just do a little bit of work, you know, checking out markets, man. Uh, it's good to talk to you again, man. It's, it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, so I, I looked back through the archives. We last spoke in September. It's a very different world in those last, let's see, eight months? I yeah. Honestly, it feels like two years, but geez, I mean, we've got election, vaccines, recovery, a psych recovery, uh, inflation, <laughs> everything. I yeah. we'll, we'll unpack all of that shortly. But um, first, I do want to clear something up with you. In our emails leading up to this episode, you said you're not an Atlanta sports fan anymore because I had all these Trey Young, Julio Jones, you know, <laughs> things to take on you. So you turned your back on your childhood team here. What, what's what's going on? Nah, so, you know, the thing is, is like I moved around a good bit as a kid. So I grew up in Miami, uh, and, and that's kind of where the roots started, uh, you know, as far as teams. There's teams that I'm never going to be able to shake, and that's the Dolphins, and that's my Miami Hurricanes. Now, I did not go to University of Miami, but that's just, you know, when you grow up, especially when you're growing up, when I grew up there, that was the squad, man. So uh, those are the main two teams. I went to college in Atlanta and, you know, definitely got love for Atlanta. They got some, you know, some, some cool young guns, uh, these days. Uh, like you mentioned, Trey Young and Julio. We'll, we'll see how long Julio's there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I've moved around a good bit ever since. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we can, we can touch on a couple of sports teams a little bit, but Chicago is home, you know, and, and that's what it is. So when it comes to the majority of the teams, a lot of them are going to be emanating from Chicago. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Full on Chicago convert. I get it. You're, you're eating deep dish casserole, you know, I'll, I'll leave you be there. So you've got a new role over there at Tasty. Uh, Tony is an icon over there for sure, frequent guest with us. What makes their options trading mechanics different? Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Thank you uh, for the congrats. I, I do have a new role that I'll touch on, um, but uh, you know, I've been in this business 15 years. For the past three, I've been lucky enough to talk to everyday people about options trading and how they can become self-directed investors. And of course, we saw a huge shift in retail trading last year. My good buddy at SIBO, uh, Henry Swartz, has done a lot of uh, you know work showing this. A lot of his charts showing one-lot trades, odd-lot trades. I mean, the retail movement has been undeniable. So if you're going to inform the retail crowd about options trading, then why not do it with the best? So I called up Tom Sosnoff, who's a giant in the field. He's also a friend. Uh, he and the Brain Trust at Tasty Trade are the creators of that often used to think or swim platform. 
and they started Tasty in 2011. And Tasty Trade is a financial media network for options and futures trading, unlike no other, for those who are unfamiliar with it. So I said, look, Tommy, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I um, I basically begged dude for a job uh, because it's such a cool company. We got like eight hours of programming every day, Monday to Friday, just, you know, great, great people with so much knowledge from the industry, several shows, tons of different content on options trading and, and talking to people about break-evens and the best way to manage, you know, their, their uh, you know, self-directed portfolio. Uh, but more importantly, all of this is with side of personality. Um, so the aim of eventually is just, you know, to help people understand the esoteric nature of options and futures with easy to follow trading mechanics in a non-intimidating way. And some of those concepts that, that make us different and, and separate us are, you know, trade small, trade often. We're largely talking to people about how to sell premium and the, and the, the correct way to do that. Using the law of large numbers to take advantage of multiple occurrences. Markets, you know, just, just helping them understand the idea that markets are random. So it's, it's pretty difficult to be directional. And, um, I certainly have, you know, spent plenty of years of my trading career at a prop firm, you know, times we were directional with, uh, you, with, with the, the movement and the stock or whether we were directional with volatility. Um, but it's, we're just trying to help people understand it's hard to be directional. So you want to try and be product and different when you're selling volatility and you want to avoid illiquid underlyings. You want to trade those monthly expirations as opposed to weeklies. Again, getting to this idea of liquidity, trading liquid options and stocks so you can get in and out relatively easily and seamlessly. Uh, you want to try and manage trades, especially those that are winning trades. Close out a trade if you're winning. I mean, that's a huge win if you can do things like that. And then finally, like managing trades mechanically as opposed to emotionally, right? When something's going against you, trying to find ways to manage that mechanically and using research that we have that shows different ways to manage those types of trades. So, um, you know, just things like that. And we also have, you know, a volatility rank that we use across time periods so or across a year's period to check and see if volatility is elevated or cheap. That's our IV rank model for that. And, you know, we use guidelines to help determine those optimal times to allocate capital based on overall market volatility environment. So for example, like if the VIX is anywhere between 15 and 20, then you're probably like 30% in with your capital allocation as opposed to all the way in because you want to wait for better opportunities when volatility is higher. And so you use like the VIX for that type of thing. So I'd say that's what makes us different. Yeah, I mean, from from afar, you guys are one of the most hardworking you know, units in the industry with, with the content that you put out. It's unique, like you said, it's personality driven, but then again, you guys have your own metrics and your own scorecards really uh, that set you apart. So, I mean, everything you guys do, I, I try to gobble it up as quickly as possible. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's it, when, when, when we found out that you had joined there, uh, I think Katie and I had said like, wow, that's, you know, like a match made in heaven. So uh, it's, it's great to see, you know, you guys putting out just outstanding content. Um, but I do want to pivot back into September and, and, and jump right in. We talked about COVID's impact on oil, restaurants, retail, real estate. We hit everything. Uh, eight months yeah. later, how are those sectors faring? Uh, and then ahead of what's looking like to be an amazing summer for reopening, what do you have your eye on going forward? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's looking like an, an amazing summer for reopening for sure. I mean, um, 
You know, well, you know, honestly, it, it does feel like you said, you know, you talk about time now and, it, and it's so weird. We talk about like last year or you talk about something that happened two years ago. You often have to realize, no, that actually happened three years ago. But in our case, uh, speaking of September, you know, oddly enough, I'll let you in a little secret. I did our show last September, just days after me and family had COVID in the house. So that was kind of wild. Wow. Um, we had, yeah, it was kind of rough. It hit me the hardest. Everybody else was kind of okay. Uh, my kids and, and, and my wife were, you know, kind of had mild symptoms, okay. but hit Good. me the hardest. Um, so that was interesting. But, uh, you know, lots changed since then. Like you said, I mean, we're all fully vaccinated now, so that's kind of nice. But, yeah, I mean, a whole lot has changed. I mean, in September 2020, COVID cases were rising, including mine. <laughs> um, we had, you know, equity markets, particularly the NASDAQ, and volatility rising at the same time, which is typically a sign of a near-term top. And it was. We saw that big move down, like, after, like, September 2nd, I think it was, last year. So things were crazy, right? Today, honestly, I haven't focused on the traditional sectors as much. I mean, the sectors were a big deal at that time due to the anticipated sector rotation that we usually see around uh, elections. And we saw a big sector rotation, like, in November and December and January. Now, I'm watching data and signals that kind of determine their effects on the overall market volatility. So like right now we've got this red hot housing market, right? Yes. Um, you know, new home sales cooled a little bit in, in April, but the, the housing market is crazy. I'm sure you've noticed that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to notice commodities. My goodness. I mean, there's been a surge in demand for all out a ton of materials that's basically in some cases led to shortages. I mean, we got copper that's trading, you know, over 10 and we got iron ore, we got corn, wheat, soybeans, coffee, lumber, lumber. <laughs> you're right. Dude, you're like right on with me. Like yeah. lumber. Oh my goodness. Which of course is bleeding into the housing market, right? Like, I mean, I saw something the other day, uh, two by four in Wisconsin. I mean, they're selling them for like $12 and they used to be like a buck. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, if that doesn't get to the word we're going to get to in a second, I don't know what does. But, you know, semiconductors, which is bleeding into the auto sector because of all the semiconductors they use in, in, in with cars and whatnot, plastic and cardboard packaging. So, like, every commodity is just on full tilt right now. Uh, we see travel demand return in a big way. I mean, how about this for TSA numbers? Like, for this month already, for average, for 2021, we have one and a half million people screening through TSA versus 200,000 for the same time last year. Versus 2.4 million for 2019. So we're not quite at 2019 numbers yet, but we're way above where we were a year ago. And we're seeing restaurant capacity increases. Oil consumption is back, man. I mean, oil, we know what happened with oil last year. And so we see oil now trading back in the, you know, 60 plus range. So much of this, of course, is due to the high rate of vaccinations. And of course, it's leading to I-N-F-L-A-T-I-O-N, inflation. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I'm watching more than anything. Were you were you nervous you were going to spell that right there? <laughs> I, I was a little bit nervous. I was, you know, I had to check. I had dictionary.com right next to me just to make sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was doing a little Aaron Rodgers thing right there. You know Ooh. what I'm saying? R-E-L-A-X. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, should we relax about inflation? Um, this is deviating a little bit from what we wanted to talk about. But what do you got for me there? I mean, you know, it's they are they keep saying it's transitory, right? Yes, and that's what Clarita said yesterday. 
Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, we, 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 there's been a ton of jokes about that. I'm, I'm a huge Twitter guy. I'm on Twitter quite a bit. And people are, you know, showing all kinds of charts with, you know, things busting out uh, through the top of those charts and saying, don't worry, it's transitory. And, you know, it, it, it you, to some degree, I mean, you would think it, it's true, right? I mean, everything was certainly transitory last year when we went into lockdown mode and everybody was hoarding things. That was a transitory thing. You would imagine. There's going to be a rush to everything. Everything's going to be happening at once. Everybody, I mean, I don't know about you, but how many, you know, peer gatherings are you starting to get invited to? You're starting to hear about things. Everybody's doing something. So I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to be different and say, yeah, I do think it's kind of transitory. I, I, I don't, I don't know how long the transition will be. And I think that's the key, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's transitory. Yeah. Uh, I've had, this may has been, incredible with with the amount of linkups i've had with people because we have you know group text going around like you get your second shot you get your second shot you two weeks after boom okay let's all go um and yeah. I think that's a that's not just limited to my own social circle that is widespread i would agree um and so i mentioned clarita's remarks uh, i do want to run back to or stay with the fed for just a quick second um, the, the asset purchases are continuing, you know, how long do you think that can last before some tapering begins? You know, we, we briefly touched on that, but I want to come back to it. Yeah. I mean, the fed continues to like purchase securities at, you know, the, to the tune of 120 billion a month. I think those questions were already mounting about tapering, uh, after we saw these moves in commodities we talked about a little while ago. And, and then, you know, we saw the recent Fed minutes uh, where they kind of touched on that idea. And so that chorus continues to get louder. However, I don't think it's going to happen until late 2022 or 2023, according to the Fed's funds futures right now. And according to that CME Fed watch tool, which goes out to December of this year. And there's no blip in sight going above um, a quarter um, on the rates. So, but, you know, then you wonder, well, why? Well, I mean, the Fed continues to say that they want to see metrics of better employment. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though we have falling job weekly jobless claims and we've seen encouraging non-farm payroll reports each month, although I think we kind of, you know, dropped the ball a little bit for April, but those numbers have been encouraging. However, there's a ton of jobs and no workers. I mean, some places are literally doing paid incentives for interviews. So something doesn't add up there, right? Yes. And I did see data recently pointing to the fact that while high income and middle income jobs have returned, low income jobs have not. So there's still some of this, you know, the, the pandemic created inequality in a lot of different businesses and a lot of different sectors everywhere. And I think we're still seeing some inequality amongst the jobs. And I think until we get the, a handle on the job situation, there's not going to be a taper. And that explains why you, know, you see the CME watches um, projections basically not budging because that's not something that can be fixed in a flashbang situation that's going to take long sustained that's going to take a sustained amount of time to to fix it can't just happen at once there can't be some bill sign that that, that fixes everything yeah agreed i mean i think it you know it's it's going to be i think we we saw the big moves uh for jobs and you know feb and, and march and you know, it's slowing out a little bit in April. I think we're going to start to see a little bit gradually now and, and over time as, as, you know, comfortability takes place and, and things start to return to normal, which they seem to be doing rapidly. At some point, hopefully we, we reach an equilibrium. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, traders are traders. So at some point we're going to see some moves um, and what people are expecting for rates. But 
it, it would seem as of right now, it's like, you know, late 2022 or early 2023. Right, right. You talk about being on Twitter a ton. I keep waiting for the Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau meme to pop up with the, the Fed. <laughs> I love that one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep waiting. Someone has to do it. If no one's going to do it, it may as well be you or me uh, because it is begging, uh, you know, the Fed's inflation stuff is begging for the Brooks meme. Um, but I do want to pivot at least a little bit slightly. You know, I still want to talk volatility, but we meant talked a lot about how it pertains to the SPX uh, back in September. And then we've had the most recent spikes in volatility uh, a couple of weeks ago. How can retail options traders take advantage of these spikes? Well, yes, I mentioned, you know, we're largely premium sellers at Tasty. So, I mean, honestly, the ebb and flow of volatility this year has been good. I mean, last year, VIX was persistently stuck in the 30s after coming off, you know, those crazy highs of Mm -hmm. 70 and 80 plus, right? Yes. And that makes a hard trading environment. I mean, especially after that recency bias of going to 70, everybody was expecting another big move to 50, 60 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have the deal, you know, the election, of course, too, like elections. I mean, there was just volatility was persistently high. This year, we've seen volatility, uh, or I should say just the VIX, for example, at 30, and we've seen it as low as like 14, 15, all within the first five months of the year. So for me, I'd say that makes a great trading environment, allows people to sell some volatility and allows you to close out, you know, some trades if they work or not and move on to the next thing because vol is not so expansive that you can't, you know, reach across uh, bid ask spreads for options. So I think that's been pretty decent, but you have to exercise some caution for this year because we got some new beasts out there, Patrick. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure you heard of them and, and a lot of them are, are some, sometimes they're just, uh, you know, letters like NFTs and oh. SPACs, right? <laughs> I mean, those are some interesting new beasts that are affecting volatility in interesting ways. And Hang on, let me go get my uh, let me go get some Excedrin for the migraine that those words cause me right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's nuts. Uh, you know those those who knows when the, who's going to be the first company to a uh, public company to incorporate NFTs into their balance sheet or something somehow. But when they do, you can imagine that's going to affect volatility mm-hmm. um, because nobody knows how to value it yet. So, you know, SPACs. I keep saying like. You don't necessarily know the difference between once they go public, it's hard to tell if a company was an SPAC that went public or not because of the, the chart doesn't fundamentally change a whole lot, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell. Um, of course, we have the meme stocks, which are actually going pretty nuts today. And of course, I'm talking about GME, GameStop. We're talking about AMC. Um, you know, another one I look at that doesn't have options is cost. But I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. We know the list. So, you know, talking about meme stocks, NFTs, SPACs. Fundamentally, we've seen volatility change a good bit. And if you don't think they've affected volatility, I mean, just line up a GME chart with VIX uh, on the same chart and look back at February, March, and you'll see they were moving in tandem. Yeah. So um, it's 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 crazy. And then, and then not to mention cryptos. I mean, you know, that's a big craze right now. So how does volatility, you know, how does that factor into volatility, particularly when you, you're talking about one of the largest companies by market cap in the S&P 500 and Tesla? That's intertwined with Bitcoin, right? So yeah. these are interesting times. Yeah, in September was you know Bitcoin was on was there, it was lurking, but the explosion in the past six months, uh, like you said, I think it coincides with with a lot of the volatility we've been seeing. I don't know how to put a finger on it. Is there some kind of like credo or something that you can offer? 
to a retail trader that looks all this and is just somewhat overwhelmed by everything that they're seeing? <laughs> well, you know, I I think back to um, you know across my career, I think back to times where we had you know things that seemed. I mean, this is interesting because these things are so like brand new, mm-hmm. realistically, like within the last couple of years. I mean, NFTs are, are really fairly new. SPACs have been around for a long time, or at least the idea of SPACs, but the amount of SPACs that were brought to the market in the first three months of the year was insane. Um, you know, obviously, Bitcoin has been around. It, it, I would say as far as from the trading standpoint, it's been a huge thing for the past, you know, what, four years or so. Um, so it's not quite so much new, but I think back to a time where, you know, certain sectors were just sort of really uh, captivating the market. Uh, when I think about uh, rare earth metals, I remember that was a big deal in like 2010. And those names, you know, any name that was connected to rare earth metals were trading at really high multiples, really high valuations. The options markets were, you know, absolutely nuts. And I guess my point is, we'll see these type of, you know, things every now and again, this does seem to be um, you know, I, I really don't know where this one's going to go because these are more than just stocks. They're integrated into the fabric of our culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you see, you know, uh, something like Saturday Night Live have skits on NFTs and cryptos, that's telling you something. So I don't I don't know exactly what it's telling you, but it's telling you something. Yeah, I, to me, and, and, and I, I don't want anyone to take this as advice, but that just seems like it's jumped the shark if, you know, SNL is making jokes about it. Uh, if, like you said, it's become ingrained in the fabric of our culture, shouldn't that give some people some pause? Yeah, I think so to some degree. I think you have to exercise some caution. Um, and so, you know, in general, when we, we, when we're, you know, at, at Tasty, we try to be, we aim to be product indifferent, right? Like mm-hmm. as far as when, and what I mean by that is, you know, Boeing is, is, for example, say Boeing is making a, a ton of new planes and I'm interested in, 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 uh, you know, Boeing because of that, that's not necessarily a tasty type of deal. The idea is, oh, I'm looking at Boeing and their IV rank is relatively high compared to the past year. So I'm interested in selling an iron condor. That's more of the tasty way. So we try to be product indifferent. We don't necessarily focus on the big stories and the narratives. I still pay attention to them because I just like to. That's just my training. Mm-hmm. But I guess it helps to have that type of training and helps to pay attention to something and maybe give an idea of the of what you just said. Maybe something's jumped the shark. So I don't want to go full tilt into you know a new asset class in investing. I want to be a little more careful and exercise a little bit more caution. I think that's the real key there. Yeah, very well said. And, and over at Schaefer's, you know, our expectational analysis is contrarian based. So that's why all I see all this euphoria and all this infatuation with these things and, and, and you wonder like okay how much contrarian, contrarianism can you apply to this while still taking a flyer on it yeah and, and i think that's yeah. kind of the the, the tightrope that retail investors have to balance yeah yeah i would agree and you have to you know i um eye something up but like use the correct strategy and if it doesn't fit then you know don't force it i mean you know, to get away from from these big things, NFTs and all this type of stuff, craze for a second. To give an example, uh, you know, Biogen ticker BIB currently right now, if you look at it, volatility is sky high. And I looked at that yesterday. Looked at the options market volatility is trading like 110, which is pretty elevated from the normal like 60 vol or something like that. I mean, it is a biotech, but something is coming out. And just because the volatility is high, 
probably not necessarily a sell because from what I saw, there's there is some type of uh, news on an Alzheimer's drug they got coming out in June. I think June seventh. If you look at the volatility, you can tell the weekly June eleven vol- uh, weekly June eleven options are sky high, and all the stuff after that is the options are, are pretty high. And so just just because it's high doesn't necessarily mean you sell. You still have to exercise caution, and I think that's the kind of caution you have to exercise with these new asset classes. You gotta, you know, be a little careful. Right, very well said, and 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 that's tasty. Putting in the sweat equity and putting the numbers behind all of the fads that you see, and I think that is so important and does get lost a lot of times in the narrative. Yeah, I mean, we have that same type of contrarianism as as, as you guys over at Schaefer's, but like you said, we we you know, there's there's times where you you exercise caution. There's times to be smart. Just like I said earlier, I mean, you know, when when we look at the situations when the VIX is between you know, 15 and 20, you know, we only want to be 30% in. If the VIX goes to 40, then, you know, you, you're, you, you're, the odds are better on your size. The volatility is going to mean revert. So we definitely think that way. Mm-hmm. Well, to, uh, to start to wrap up here, I always want to, you know, hear what you guys are, have going on. So what's, what's new and exciting over at Tasty that you guys are working on? Oh, dude. What, what aren't we working on? This <laughs> is the better question. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. I, I, um, I, you know, I, I only know very little. We're, I, I've had uh, contact mostly uh, electronically through and, and a, a few people in person. Um, but, uh, you know, well, first of all, we're finishing up a combination with IG Group, uh, which was, was big news uh, back in, in January. Uh, IG Group is based in the UK and, and IG is acquiring Tasty Trade. And so uh, the aim is to take Tasty Trade global. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the CEO team, people way above my pay grade, um, you know, had some great talks with IG group and, uh, you know, we found a combination. So IG is, is, uh, acquiring tasty. Um, so that's going to be awesome. I mean, I don't know if people across the pond want to see this face, but they better get ready. I mean, <laughs> no, I was, they'd probably rather see, you know, some of the other people, cool people on our show, the Liz and Jenny's and, and, uh, you know, Nikki Batista and, and Mike Butler and, Katie McGarrigal and, and my uh, my buddies uh, Pete Molmat and, and Frank Burner. I mean, those are some you know the great people that that do some of the the programming. I mean, Doctor Jim. So we we got some great people. So that's going to be awesome to to take this kind of thing global. But I also understand we might be moving to uh, twelve hours of content wow. per day per day on the uh, Tasty Network. So that would be awesome. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're going to be uh, up in the ante. So so that'll be cool. Um, we also, you know, there's, we also have a couple of sister companies. I'm not sure if you're aware, but, uh, you know, Tasty's got this cool little conglomerate of companies and some startups, man. So like some of our t- sister companies are, are Tasty Works, which is a brokerage. So again, Tasty Trade is the financial network. Tasty Works is the brokerage where people can execute a lot of these ideas and things that they see, mm-hmm. um, you know, via the network. Uh, one of the cool things about Tasty Works brokerage, their, the app, um, and the, the desktop platform, they have this thing called the trader page. Now you've never seen anything like this. The trader page shows you the trades that the person on air personalities execute day in and day out, you know, when they trade and they give you reasons for why they do their trades. I mean, if that's not cool, I don't know what is my man. And I think I, from what I understand, I think we're getting a patent for that trader page. There's nothing like that. You never yeah, seen anything like that's, that. That's there. transparency. That is unparalleled. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, that's on the Tastyworks brokerage uh, uh, platform. There's also another uh, sister company, Doe Incorporated. It's a millennial-focused brokerage. Uh, you know, 
Victor Jones is the CEO of that company, doing some great things over there and, you know, work with them every now and again. They're just a cool, energetic bunch. So that's a great startup they got going on. And then the small exchange, which is a retail focused futures exchange. I mean, small exchange is pretty awesome in that you can trade a lot of futures with not these huge like margin requirements that you have at a no exchanges. So this is pretty awesome that, that the small exchange exists. Again, you know, Tom and, and, and Tony and, and Christy Ross and Linwood Ma and all, you know, all these smart, smart people just create these cool companies and cool things. And all of these companies provide, you know, unique ways for self-directed investors to get their market Jones on, man. So, um, you know, for me, myself, currently I'm, I'm on helping out on two segments. Uh, I'm, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to work my way up to more. But right now I'm doing uh, one segment uh, in conjunction with a small exchange called The Leap from Options to Futures. Uh, it's where some my, myself, who's a you know seasoned options trader, who, and this is real, I, I had never traded a futures contract in my own personal account. I've done it on a firm level. I mean, but that's easy. You click and buy, you know, click the button with somebody else's money is a whole lot easier oh, than yeah. doing it with your own money. So we came up with this concept for a show and it's been great. I work with uh, Pete Molmat and, and uh, Frank Aberna at the small exchange. We do a show every Tuesday, Thursday. Um, it's a lot of fun and I'm great getting to learn. And I just traded my first futures contract uh, two weeks ago, traded a, a dollar, a uh, small futures exchange dollar contract. So that's been cool. And then every Friday I uh, team up with, with uh, Tom Sosnoff and Tony Batista to, do an options jive segment where, um, you know, I talk to them and, and try and challenge them a little bit. I mean, they know it all. They've been in the business for, you know, 40 years, but I, I try to challenge them every week. So um, I'm loving being there and it's a great company. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you're going to have to send me that link so I can put that in, in for our, our listeners to check out uh, because that sounds incredibly exciting. Uh, and as far as the European stuff, hey, I'm, I'm a soccer guy. So if you need any help, you know, speaking their language over there, I got you. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And um, as long as we don't create any new super soccer teams, I mean, I think everything should be okay, right? Yeah, like, just <laughs> so the most part. anytime you're dealing with someone global, just say Super League bad. That's all you have to say in, 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 your, in, your, in like Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I love watching soccer. Great game. I don't necessarily have any dog in the fight. I don't have a team. Um, but, uh, if you can convince me with a team, man, I'll, I'll ride with you. No, actually, I don't have a team either. Just be a fan. That's all, that's all, uh, that's all you need to do and they'll embrace you for it. True, true. I so, like it. Well, Jamal, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I mean, it was great chatting with you. What do you say? Every eight months we, we do this, maybe even a little less time in between, uh, because, you know, your insight is just so valuable, I think, to the retail trader and especially if they're looking to get into options. Uh, check him out, tastytrade.com. I'll, I'll be sure to put up all the links because, you know, I got to support you guys. I love what you're doing over there. Thanks, Patrick. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate everybody at Shapers. Love, you know, talking to you guys. And yeah, man, uh, you know, probably sooner than eight months. Let's, let's get this back on wax again at some point soon. All right. I hear you.